0: This is Out of Fashion and this is Series 2, Episode 6. I'm Jane Shepherdson, And I'm Jane Kellogg.
1: So, we're back again. Uh, We've had a little bit of a gap. We've not been that consistent this uh, season with our episodes for one reason or another, down to the fact that our uh, podcast studio just disappeared overnight. So, we've had a few technical problems, but uh, this is the last in uh, this series, Um, but we'll hopefully be back in September with a whole new, more regular um, series of podcasts. So... In the last couple of weeks, Jane, what have you been enjoying? What have you been reading? What have you wow. been doing? Quite a lot, actually. Um,
0: I went to see um, *A Midsummer Night's Dream* at the Bridge Theatre.
1: <gasps> I don't have.
0: You, have you been to the Bridge Theatre since it's got been renovated? It's just so fantastic. I love it. I really love it. It feels like you're in New York or something. It's just got that beautiful big foyer. Um, Saint John's snacks before you eat, Before you see the play, it just feels really kind of. Sophisticated and similar. Is it?
1: Is it, it's not the Shakespeare no, it's, one where you no, stand up. No, no, no. no.
0: It's near um, Tower Bridge. So as you come out, you see Tower Bridge in front of you. I don't um, think I've
1: ever been to it, actually. Anyway, so
0: it was a Midsummer Night's Dream, and uh, Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones, which obviously neither of us have watched, mm. is in it. Um, but I did actually meet her once. Um, but she's in it, and, uh, um, and, and it's um, the stages in the rounds, and the audience, some of the audience are actually standing around the stage. On the on the On the ground, and the sage kind of lifts up and goes down again so that, so this, the audience kind of feel like they 're almost a part of it and um, It was absolutely brilliant that all of the fairies were kind of suspended by silks from the ceiling. Puck was this really kind of uh twitchy, malevolent figure and, and and really kind of um magical. Um so the stage kept kind of going up and down, there were kind of beds from coming down from the seat. it was just it, every every second of it was just really exciting. The acting was
1: brilliant and so yeah, really good. Really recommend it. It looks amazing on Instagram. I saw some images from it. it oh my god, yeah. yeah. I'd love to see it. It is really good. And you? Well, I haven't done anything remotely interesting like that. I've got got—I've done that classic thing that I do every single summer where I've bought every book that everyone's recommended on every podcast and in every magazine article <laughs> that I could possibly read, and they're by my bed in a huge imposing pile ready for me to read them, mean, I haven't <laughs> actually read one of them. So I've got a list of things that I'm going to read at some point over the summer. So the first one is Fleischman is in Trouble, oh? which is a novel about marriage, divorce, and modern relationships that I've heard. With so many people that I really admire on podcasts and um, journalists that I like saying it's an amazing book. It's like the book the summer novel of 2019. Who's it, who's it by? Oh, now you're asking. I didn't oh. write that down. What's it called? Flashman? Flashman is in trouble. Oh, it's in okay. hardback. So I've got Queenie to read, which you mentioned yes, last that's good. time. That's I have that. I've got Three Women, which is another one that people are talking Lisa about. Lisa
0: Tadeo. Yeah. I just bought that yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yes. I I've Looks... got that r- arriving today. Looks good. So that's true stories about women's lives, about love, lust, exploit Infidelity, girlhood, womanhood, and motherhood, and I love anything like that. I love true stories. So I've got a book, a pile of lists of books, uh, uh, of books I want to read, but I haven't actually read any of them. Well. So perhaps by the time we come back in September, I might um, have read Well, all of I've them, read, it's I read.
0: Interestingly, I read *Lowborn* by oh, Kerry Hudson yeah. that you recommended. Yeah. Um it was so good. It's really good. Really sad. Really,
1: really sad, really
0: sad and uh, I'd recommend it to anyone. It's just such an. Incredible insight into the grinding poverty mm. of, of, uh, of, of some people. It really is, Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I've read a couple of things. I've read, oh, I read Kate Atkinson, Big Sky. Oh, yeah. Just because I'm a big Kate Atkinson fan. Um, and that was good. That was her, her usual Jackson Brody, you know, the crime novels that she does. So that was great. Yeah. Um, what else have I read? Oh, I've read uh, America's Not the Heart, but, which is about the Filipino community in uh, San Jose in California. Um, really fascinating for me because I don't know much about the um, Philippines at all. And it talks about um, the ins- communist insurgents. Um, uh, it's just a, re- it's a real insight. And it was I thought it was great. Um, and I've actually been watching quite a couple of new things on TV. Oh, what have you been watching? Game Game Face. Which actually oh, isn't yes. new. I it's... watched
1: um, a couple of that because I saw someone on Twitter recommended it. It's funny, it's like a sort of normal flea bag for like, it is, for it's not a... posh people. It is, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Because I do
1: love Bad but hello. Yeah, I mean they are a certain type of person. Yeah, you know. and but, and Donnerty is, I think, is brilliant. Yeah, really good. I really, I saw her first.
0: She was the sex worker in um, the Ricky Gervais thing. Do you remember Afterlife? Uh, yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah.
0: So um, I've been watching that. Um, um, did you
1: listen to the? Um The podcast with um, Phoebe Waller Bridge, um, how to fail the second one. Yeah, I did, and how she talks about how her her stepmother's an artist. It's like (laughs) she didn't bother to tell anyone in her family that it wasn't based on them. (laughs) I know, I know, just (laughs) slightly. I would not want to be uh, the stepmother in that particular. (laughs) Roll. <laughs> I've been um, actually loving listening to Radio 4 Book Club. So I was thought, BBC Sounds, I was thought, what's the point in that? Me too, the radio. Yes. But it's all of the back catalogue of, of radio programmes that you might not have listened to. Oh, okay. Um, so Book Club, which I like anyway when it's yes. live, um, there's a whole back ca- catalogue of um, different authors on there talking about some of their work. Um, and so I've listened to Margaret Atwood talk about The Handmaid's Tale, Gail Honeyman talk about Eleanor Oliphant. I just listened to Colm Tobin, I don't know how yes. you say that, talk about Brooklyn. And So oh, no. it's um, talking about the book, the thinking behind it, and then the audience asks questions. And it's great, because if you've got those books that are just books that you absolutely yes. love, it's a really easy way just to oh, nice. listen to you know, the thinking yeah, yeah. behind yes. them. So yes. that's really good. Um, have you watched Big Little Lies? <sighs> well, I don't have Sky. Oh, you need no TV. Everyone no, but is... it's the same thing.
0: It still gives the money to Rupert Murdoch and oh I have principles. <laughs> I've, got, I've got principles, but they're not going to last for very long. For, who was to scratch marks that I've got principles and if you don't like them, I'll change them. I'll <laughs> yeah. find some other ones I mean, or mean yeah. I've yeah.
1: got yeah. principles too, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know, TV no, shows like that. No, I haven't. I'm dying to see it. I keep, so yeah. good. Yes. So, so, so good. I think it's better than the first one. People oh, are yeah, criticising it, but
0: how did you watch the first one then? I was in America. I don't know. I was in America. It's, you lost it was your on something then. different. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. What else have you been watching? Oh, did you see that thing this week? I Am Nicola. It's so, so good. Oh, my God. She's such a great actress. Isn't she? It was just... It crept up on you mm. so slowly, didn't it? That when mm-hmm. she said... She said something like, I'll be honest with you, there's alarm bells ringing. And all of a sudden, I was like, there was a tingle down my back. And I just thought, yes, there are alarm bells ringing here. And all
1: the way through, I was saying, oh, she's going to end up dying. And it was so cleverly done because she didn't. She left him. And it was, sorry, spoiler. (laughs) Uh, anyway she left him uh watch it because it's it doesn't matter if she leaves him or not the thing is there's an underlying tension there that you think he's either going to get violent or she's something awful's going to happen yes and it well it probably would have had she stayed i i but just it was I, so well done it was so cleverly acted and brilliantly
0: so, done the dialogue
1: was yeah. fantastic
0: that that scene with her and her best friend uh, when she was trying to tell her best friend that everything was okay and her best friend knew, knew that it wasn't yeah. and she was trying to tell her. Yeah, so I'm just yeah. so clever and, and absolutely fantastic. Well,
1: there's, there's different stories each week. I think there are I four. I think so, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, really good, really good. Um, so that was good. Um, I've been uh, seeing a couple of exhibitions. Olaf Eliason Eliasson, Office at the Tate oh, yes, Modern. that was amazing. Um, it's just really fun, very immersive. You know, you can just kind of get into most of the, the exhibits. Uh, really interactive. Um, it's really busy, so I would go... Well, maybe in August it'll be quieter, I don't mm. know. But um, it's got, like, a tunnel of fog and it's got coloured lights projecting, ever-changing images on the wall. I mean, it's, it's just really good fun. Like, all of his stuff is, is good. Um, one thing I haven't seen yet, but I really want to see, Faith Ringgold at The Serpentine. Mm. Um, I saw a programme on her the other day and I hadn't realised that, that she was um, probably the most famous female black artist in the world, um, and she she's a writer, painter, sculptor, and she does amazing sort of narrative quilts. I think she's almost ninety or something mm. now, but she's still like really relevant and really sharp. Um, so yeah, so I definitely uh, want to see. really want to see that. Yes, yeah. Um, so that yeah, that's about it. I think mm. really. You know, we have got a guest this week.
1: I do He's sitting right here. Yeah. Hello. Hello. And it's a man, I think you might have gathered. (laughs) It is. um, Second male guest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're very excited to have uh, Tim Little of and Shoes as our guest this week. Um, He studied accountancy at university but decided it wasn't his thing pretty quickly and moved into advertising. Ten years later, he decided to start his own shoe brand from scratch, eventually opening a store on King's Road in 1997. His shoes were called English Shoes Without the Cobwebs, as English shoes were considered to be beautifully made but a bit dull. The brand became hugely successful both here and in the US with a large and colourful celebrity following, including Liam Gallagher, Elton John and Rod Stewart. In 2005, he was asked to run Grenson by the owner, and in 2010, he bought the business. It's grown fourfold since then, and he's got five stores in London and is stocked by the most prestigious stores around the world. But perhaps he achieved the most fame when Holly Willoughby wore his Nanette hiking boot on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. (laughs) So welcome to Out of Fashion, Tim. Very delighted to have you here. So tell us all about Faith Willoughby. Sorry, Holly Willoughby. Oh my god, it's all gone Mixing horribly up the wrong. Stories, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a 90 year old, and <laughs> <laughs> tell us about Holly Willoughby. Have you met her?
2: Um, I had I met her once, but only when she asked me at a festival, uh, which way was the toilet. Um, so, <laughs> so like, that, not really, not really, it doesn't really count, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, yeah no it was incredible we um we sent boots over to, um because she was going into the jungle and there was this big thing about spiders her fashion and, oh. yeah well about you know what she she was going to wear and her stylist was bringing lots of different things in from different people and we sent over these nanat boots and then um, the, first, the first day she was there <clears throat> presenting, and everybody was looking at it to see with Anton Deck for the first time they weren't presenting together and she was taking of the pot out of it. Yes, yes. So the viewing figures were enormous, and also everybody was interested in what she was going to wear in the jungle oh, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And there she was in these kind of big, chunky boots, and nobody's seen her in something like that because she doesn't, that's not normally her no. thing, probably. Um, and it just went crazy it went absolutely mad you know and we've we've worked with at various celebrities over the years, as you do, and given various you know shoes for people to wear for events and things. And you know, you get a little bit of feedback and you get a bit here and there, but this was just incredible, it went bonkers. She was just on the Daily
1: Mail every single day, and there was and yes. talking about your shoes. <laughs> well, because they have that <clears> little box, don't they? Like, if yeah. you want to dress like this, then this is where you can get them from,
2: exactly. That the column of shame thing, yeah, yeah. it was on that. I mean, that's the thing that really fueled and, it, I yeah. think.
1: I mean, if, I mean, we all, I know we, what. What we all think of the Daily Mail, but you know, mm. it's uh, <laughs> as a business it person, for it's pretty useful. Yeah, it's useful yeah. For, for gossip, but also if you wanted to get your, your brand out there to the masses, then yeah. it's huge.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely. The wi- most
1: widely read thing in the world, I think.
2: Yeah, exactly. Online. I mean, it's yeah. it's just crazy. And so she, the, the first day, she wore them, and every and they ran a thing saying mm. she's wearing this outfit. And but they didn't know who the boots were from. So then they contacted us on the second day and said, "We heard that they're yours. Is this right?" And we said, "Yes, they are." And they're also worn by other people like Emma yes. Willis or whoever. Um, and we're sold out. Um, and of course, they then ran that as the, the shoes yeah. and boots and so on, mm. and then it went even more crazy.
1: They Come are the see. perfect boot. I mean, um, I think in the first episode of oh, this podcast, <laughs> the first series of this podcast, I literally wore them every single time. It's getting she embarrassing. Did. People thought it was. I was actually, you know, Good. being paid by you to. <laughs> 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 but even though it was just
2: a podcast. It was yeah. just a podcast. Yeah. And,
1: but, you know, <laughs> so. they're comfortable, they're lightweight, yeah. they look, they've got, they've got, you get that look exactly right for the season. Yeah, and it's quite hard to do that sometimes,
2: isn't it? Well, it it is hard, and it's you know generally it's a fluke. You know, <laughs> I mean, um, ultimately, you know, from from your background, that um, sometimes something takes off mm. that you didn't expect it to, and sometimes you do things that you think are wonderful and lovely, and, yes. and no they one don't one get likes them. Up. Yeah. Nobody likes them. And oh, you think, yeah, you know, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all wrong. No one's They're all anything. wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So so tell yeah. us a little bit about your background so you from the from accountancy to where you are now how did how did that happen
2: um it it was basically like a mistake i made um way back at school so I, I as a kind of 15 16 year old boy have no idea what i was going to do with my life um as you do and um did quite well at maths at school and then did maths a level and people just said to me well if you're quite good at maths, then you should be an accountant because then you can work anywhere, do it, you know. And so I literally didn't give it any thought because I was still in the mode of not working and mm. thinking I'm going to have a lovely life, travelling around, having a great social life with my friends, and ended up in a job after, well, I went to university and did accountancy that was horrendous I but bad yeah the the social life was amazing mm. and the degree was absolutely horrendous because i wasn't actually very good at it so mm-hmm. i was okay at a level maths and <laughs> doing account three years of accountancy i oh, got a degree nightmare. in it for me
1: that's a genius yeah i yeah. scraped
2: a degree in it well and done. Um, and then came out and then still didn't know what to do, and so I was kind of on this train now, so I didn't get off, and I went and got a job at um, what is now KPMG in the city, this enormous um, accountancy firm. It
0: just sounds like the worst possible thing. It was just
2: absolutely awful. I mean, I I literally remember my first day, and I went to do this audit at uh, Ratner's, and they had a big warehouse, um, and I had to count sovereign rings, thousands and thousands of them, (laughs) and I was doing this and marking them out down on a sheet. <clears throat> and I suddenly thought to myself, "Hang on a minute, I, I've, didn't realise, but this is actually a job. This is the beginning of my working life now. Am I going to be doing this forever?" And it was awful, absolutely yeah. awful. So anyway, seven weeks later, I, I got really, out. you yeah. literally
0: just lasted seven weeks.
2: Yes, That's I mean, very I knew brave. after week. Did you
1: just resign?
2: Yes, yeah, I just resigned. I mean, they they, they didn't try and hold me back. Right. You know, they, they kind of held the door open as it walked out. See ya. It was pretty obvious wow. to everybody that yeah. I wasn't going to make it. Um, but my, I was living with my sister at the time. I sh- oh, okay. She had a flat, and I, I was in her spare room kind of thing, and she was in advertising, uh-huh. and she was coming home every night and going off to an amazing awards thing or a, or a client function. or It was all very exciting, and then she was doing a shoot and going to New York, and I was coming back with all these books, learning the accountancy, <laughs> and I thought, that I'm going to do that. That's Advertising sounds great fun. <laughs> so um, I jumped into that. And loved it, absolutely loved it. It was yes. perfect. And the contrast was just enormous. Hmm. But it's basically, I think, where I've got to now, it's been that making an initial mistake, going down the wrong path, which was completely uncreative, yes. and trying to claw my way back into a much more creative environment. Something that all... suits you better, yeah, yeah. 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 And
1: making oh. that, sorry, making that um, break at, after seven weeks, like a, some people when they first start out they're like no no I have to especially our generation I feel yeah. we're a bit like no you have to you have to make it work you have to keep yeah. at it you have to work hard all of those things so having that kind of um courage to do that at that point obviously set you on a track then to make to be really brave and the rest of your career it sounds like it I just went into advertising then you did choose it's like wow that's really that's great that you can do that because some people yeah. hold themselves back don't they
2: They do. And I think I I think um, at that age, it's really important to make those big decisions. And Mm. uh, we say to our kids all the time, the most important, it sounds like a cliche, but we really do say we really just want you to find something that you love doing um, because that changes your life. Mm, And um, I, I was desperate for that at that time. And with the accountancy thing. Um, I wouldn't. I would never think of myself as a brave person, but it was such an easy decision because it was so wrong, yes. and I, I really hated it. And I thought the more I do that, I know I'm going to come out at some point, so it's better to come out yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. only thing I wanted to do was get a job in advertising before it was only seven weeks because it took me four weeks to get a job.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: mm-hmm. I decided after three weeks and started interviewing. Yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: So so you went from from advertising. So so you don't have a. Clearly, you don't have a shoe design background. No. So you went from advertising to setting up your own shoe brand. That's, that's yeah. again, another pretty brave step. Um, what made you think you could do it?
2: I, I didn't. That, that I mean, that was harder, a harder decision, a much harder decision. Um, I didn't know I could do it at all. And I said to myself, this is like a pretty mad thing to try and attempt.
0: Um, and what age were you at this point?
2: Um, I was, what was I? I was about 30, 31.
0: Okay, okay.
2: Um, So I'd been in advertising for about 10 years. And you were
0: good at it and successful.
2: Doing really well, yeah, doing really well. I was the director of the company Mm -hmm. that I worked for, driving around in a Porsche. (laughs) (laughs) Literally (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Cliché, driving around London. Um, And, um, yeah, it was a big kind of decision and I thought we'd just had our first child and I thought... it, it. it's going to be a lot more difficult to make a step like this if I don't make it quickly. Gosh. Um, And I thought, I kind of thought to myself, if I have two years maybe of doing it, I probably could come back into advertising and get a job again. Beyond that, I'd be past it. Yeah, Nobody would be interested and they'd think I'd kind of stepped away for too long. Yes. Um, So I gave myself kind of two years to to have a crack at it. And
0: how did you start?
2: Um, I started, I put together a little collection of shoes, went up to Northampton. What,
0: drawings of of shoes?
2: Um, Yeah, I I started out with drawings. I'm not very good at drawing and I actually used a friend who who was good and briefed it into the friend and did a little bit myself as well. Um, And then I visited various factories in Northampton and um, they were all kind of fairly dismissive. I can One, imagine. Yeah, you yeah, can imagine. It's like, oh, God, another person yeah. who thinks they can do oh, shoes better than us. Oh, come up
1: from London. Yeah, that London. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so it was quite hard to find somebody who would actually do anything yeah. um, um, for, and start making samples and what have you. But um, as, uh, ultimately, as long as you put the money on the table, they would do right. it. Right, um, right. So I put together a little collection, And then um, I started showing people and getting some feedback, met a few buyers and things like that and got a bit of feedback. Um, And then ultimately I thought, I'm going to do this properly. I'm going to rent a a shop. I thought, if I'm just travelling around with a bag full of shoes saying I used to be in advertising and now I've done these shoes, there'll be no credibility, absolutely nothing. It needs a kind of physical space. So I rented a shop in the King's Road. And you um, so
0: you are, so you got the factory to make uh what a few sizes of each of each style of shoe and, and one then you a sample just
2: literally... size of, of okay. um about it was about fifteen shoes. Okay. 15 different okay. Shoes to start with. Men's. Yeah. Just men's. Yeah. Just men's. Yes. At, the, at that point. Um and then I opened this shop.
1: Is this the shop you're still in now? No. Still in now. Oh it's the yeah. same yeah. one. Yeah. Wow. And yeah.
2: Howard, the manager. Oh yeah. Met uh, Matt Howard. Is still he's great. Met Howard. <laughs> yeah. Still there. So not there today because the trains are messed up <laughs> but um he's normally there every day and we opened the shop and um it was just just fascinating really i i mean first the first day we opened it um it was a saturday and i'd spent absolutely weeks and weeks getting everything perfect you know we'd i'd designed these little um, tins for shoe polish and we've got the logo on them and they're all lined up in the shop we've got the shoes there and the stock and all that everything was ready we opened the doors on this Saturday and at 10 o'clock a woman walked in and thought oh interesting a so, well maybe she's here she's going to buy for a yeah. partner or a yeah. son or whatever and she had a look around and she just looked up and said um, how much are the chairs <laughs> and said, um, well the, the chairs aren't for sale um, she said, "Why not?" I said, "Well, it's a shoe shop." <laughs> and she said, "Oh, how ridiculous!" Walked out. So that was our first ever customer. Brilliant. Yeah. So it was a bit scary. That was I a very. I thought, I oh it. God! What am I doing? What yeah. am I doing? Did yeah. you sell any yeah. on that day? Yeah, we did. I mean, mostly to be honest, to friends and family. Yeah, <laughs> but still. Yeah, we did. We did. It was quite a nice. And did you day. sell any chairs? We didn't, so we could have done. Yeah, <laughs> we still got the chairs. We still get asked about them. They're like old club chairs, you know. They're, they're brilliant, lovely. brilliant. So, um, so that was that. Yeah.
0: And it's just grown from there.
2: It grew from there, yeah. I sold the first two people we sold to were Barnes and Selfridges. Wow! Um, and you so, were
0: self-financing; you didn't have investors or,
2: or. No, I'd borrowed some money. Okay, but, but yeah. um, I hadn't got a, I hadn't sold any shares in the business no. or anything like that. I mean, nobody would have invested in it. I no, don't think yes. it was such a naive, odd yes. kind of thing to be doing. <laughs> we, we
0: were just saying. We were just saying earlier. It, it, I'm constantly amazed, by, by the kind of naivety of of the young and I yeah. consider 31 still to be young yeah. as well but but it's that wonderful naivety that that allows you to think that you can do something where now we would look at it and think oh no that's going to be too difficult yeah but it's just it's a wonderful thing and
1: also having yeah. a lack of experience in an area I think in one way you could see it as a disadvantage, but you can also see it as an advantage because you don't think through all the possible things that could go wrong. Yes. yes. Whereas people have said to me throughout my career, you know, when I, I used to design children's wear and my kids would wear what I'd design and they'd be like, why don't you do your own range? And I'd be like... Because I know the pitfalls. (laughs) I know that I'd have to find production. I'd have to find factories that do minimums. I know all of the things that could go wrong. Mm. Yes, I can design, but that doesn't make me good at all these other things. Whereas if I just maybe... And then I see people come to me all the time saying, I've got this thing that I'm designing. What do you think? And part of me is like, you know, I'm not really sure. But then another part of me is like, yeah, go for it. Why not? You know, if you believe in it and you really want it to work, then why should it not work? So it's that kind of... Naivety is really an advantage sometimes. I think I, I totally, totally reasons. agree. Yeah, totally
2: agree. Yeah, I mean, it was for me. I, w- I would never have done it. Um, and what happens is, because you're so naive, and as you say, don't know anything about those pitfalls and the problems, you just start doing it. And once you've started doing it, announced to the world, "This is what I now do." You have to do when it. When those pitfalls come up, you tackle them. Yes. Um, yes. And you realise that they are hard and they are difficult, but the naivety has got you there in the first yes. place and you just crack on and eventually you learn. I mean, I, I was so ridiculously naive. I turned up at Barney's without any prices for the shoes or anything. I just thought, <laughs> I'll, I'll show them the collection and they'll say what they think, you know. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll place an order. It's so like, how much are they, and what's your delivery dates, and what's your so? Like, what did oh. you
1: do? Did you make it up? No, I, think I said I would I'll have come done back that. to you. <laughs> had you done a costing? Did you know about costing? I'd,
2: and- I'd, I'd kind of, well, I'd worked out how much I hadn't really done a proper retail price yeah. on it, so I, yeah. I knew how much they'd co- costing me, but I hadn't mm. worked that out. Yeah. The one thing I did do was I I, um, I read an article about a woman who was in the footwear industry, yeah. and she had just left um, and she'd started a consultancy. And I rang her and I bought a day of her time What's about a good idea. how it all works. Mm. And so, for example, on the costings, she showed me that this is how you go from mm. this is your cost and this is your wholesale and this, this is your retail, is, yeah. and Brilliant. Yes. that kind of thing. And she was fantastic because she said at the end of the day, and I still believe this, the most important thing that you get right is that margin that you're Mm. making because if you think if you sell too cheaply you won't make any money you won't be able to pay your costs you won't be able to market yourself hire people if it's too expensive um they won't sell and you it's that sweet spot where you get the right pricing and it's the right price for the product and you're making enough money to be able to grow the business
1: yeah Mm. yeah so
0: clearly you did
2: So it worked, yeah. It worked, thank God. I mean, it's been a rocky, rocky old ride. Um, But, um, yeah, it kind of worked. And I think the most important thing was the original idea that, that men's shoes were incredibly boring. I mean, back then, we're talking 1997 when we opened the store, Um, men, most men were wearing a pair of black shoes for work and then a pair of kind of Timberland boaty shoes at the weekend and that was it, you know, that was it, there was no, people weren't wearing different colours or soles or anything at all, so it actually, th- that thing really carried me yeah, through. Yeah. That that you could do something, and I, well, nothing was crazy. But I would find a really interesting colour of leather or different yeah. sole or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it was, it was just, just that just little like, bit different, just different enough.
0: Yeah. And when? So when did you move into women's wear then?
2: So I dabbled with women's uh, with Tim Little with my own brand. Yes. Um, and I've done it. On and off, but um, I've never had a permanent collection, so I'll do a sneaker or something. Yes, a, yes. Um, so I didn't really do women's properly until I got to Grenson.
0: Okay, um,
2: okay. And then did it there a few years And is later. it
0: very different? Or, or
2: It is very different, yeah. I mean, it, the way we've approached it is to do what we do and ha- how would a brand like Grenson, which is a menswear brand, yes. um, and a rugged... Uh, English factory kind of brand, how would we approach making shoes for women? Yes. So it's very much got come from where we are. um, But it's very different, yeah, it's very different. And um, I think still... Women are much more open to more creative designs, more interesting things mm-hmm, that, than mm-hmm, men are. Men, mm. men kind of love the classic with a twist thing, you know, yes. like a slightly quirky colour but not too much. <laughs> Don't go too far, you know. Yes. Um, I know that's a generalisation, but but it does it does yes. work that way. Yes, um, and women's is a lot more interesting, I think, to, oh just God, from yes. a design point of view. Yeah. it's much more fun. It's
1: yeah. interesting though, because men's wear in general, especially sort of if you look at the catwalks, is really 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 moved on, and it's become in some ways more exciting and more adventurous than women's wear because yeah. there's there hasn't been that history you know that it's been quite staid and boring for quite a long time but in the, at the end of the day you're again stereotyping, but you know most of the men I know. Have a style that they stick to, and they don't really go beyond that yeah. too much. Yeah. So what's reflected in on the high uh, on the catwalk isn't reflected on the high on the high street. Yeah, and it's quite a, it's quite strange, isn't it?
0: Well, well maybe yeah. it just moves very very slowly. Yeah, maybe perhaps, in yeah. a, I don't know, it'll take four or five years for it to get to filter through. Whereas for women, it filters through much more quickly. Mm. I don't know. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, it's always been the case that what you see on the catwalk, you don't see that much of on on the high street, I guess. But um, I do, I agree with you. I think men still are conservative, yeah. and and they're, they're, if they always wear a polo shirt, they they used to wear a navy one, they might wear a pink one mm-hmm. now or something. You know, it's yeah. it's that they're not necessarily wearing something that Balenciaga or Vettamont. Mm-hmm. Presenting on the catwalk, um, but it's pulling them in that direction. That it's becoming more and more um, acceptable in their eyes yes. to wear something that's a bit more adventurous. Yeah, so, so or, it's or maybe a little moving. Yeah, it's that little yeah. twist
1: that you give things. Yeah. So I think that's what you're good at, at Grenson. Is you have those classics, and it's got in it's really good quality. But then you just give it a little twist that gives a nod to fashion, or yeah. you know, just something a bit different. So you feel like you're making a statement, but you're not standing out too much
2: yeah th- i think that's that's kind of at the crux of where it works for us so we've got this heritage which is about quite classic products very classic products um and then but we're part of the fashion industry and yeah. our shoes sit on a shelf in Selfridges, next to Balenciaga. Mm. Yes. So we're in that world, and it's important that we're part of that, and we have credentials, and yes. we. Yes. Mm. So, so that balance is really important. If we go too crazy fashion, yes. Um, people will laugh at us and say that's not Grenson. Mm. If we stick as a kind of museum brand, and we're just yeah. doing the same old shoes that we've done yes. for hundred years, everybody will get bored. But so. but
0: that's 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 the key thing with a brand, isn't it? It's 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 moving it forward yeah. enough all the time so that it re- retains its relevance. so it doesn't one,
1: alienate yeah. its customer. Yeah. That yeah. is definitely it. And I, th- yeah. I think that you also have good price points. You're in that price point which isn't a £1,000, yeah. but it's also not you know high street prices. It's, yeah. it's affordable fashion. And I feel yeah. like a lot of brands are going towards... A lot of the successful brands at the moment seem to be in that particular um, sphere. Yeah, Because, I mean, actually, talk me through why a pair of shoes from i 'll say gucci i 'll just pick on Gucci for instance Whereas, a or a thousand pounds. Is it the brand, or are they any different to any other pair of shoes
2: um, they well it depends it depends on the shoe. I mean a huge part of it is the margin that they yeah. they will get because they can because they 're gucci yeah um and also they will they they will see the pricing um being part of their marketing, so being um exclusive and mm. luxury is if something's a thousand pounds it tells that message to the person. Um but they are also because they're charging that much money they can afford to use the best materials, mm-hmm, the best yeah. factories. Um they can afford to reject everything that's not absolutely perfect and what have you. So there is a lot of quality in there but nowhere near I would say as much as the price would would Both warrant. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you can be a, you can be very clever and get a shoe for um, Three hundred. I mean, if you look at it, it you, the, there are various signs on the high street all over the place where on collaborations and things or where um, an English shoe factory, for example, makes shoes for another brand. And you look at the price difference, the price difference can be enormous. Mm-hmm. So you can go to Northampton to, a, I won't name any names, but you can go to a factory, buy a really amazing, beautiful pair of shoes for £400. And almost the identical shoe certainly in terms of quality if not styling as well is is also available eight nine hundred pounds which has a different brand name on it a designer's Mm. brand and they've made it for them you Mm. think wow it's literally double
0: Mm.
1: yeah Mm. it's interesting isn't it so it's not necessarily value for the customer it's more about what you can get because of the brand that you are in a way I mean I think that you're right the quality on those kind of shoes are it's it's beautiful and everything about the experience is really beautiful but as ter- in terms of, you know, it used to be there were £300 a designer shoe, now they're £1,500. Yeah, no, I just crazy. can't justify that as a but, normal but person.
2: The other thing is, you know, when you're paying for that they're not necessarily i mean they might be making a huge profit generally as a company but um a lot of that money that they're charging additional money over and above the cost of the shoe is going into marketing mm. and going into all the other so, things so yeah. you're but it's a self you know it's a yeah, kind of yeah. a virtuous or vicious circle whichever way you want to look at it um but basically you know somebody like gucci spend an absolute fortune on marketing mm, and ab- um, yeah, that and comes out of yeah. that margin mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. afford to do that if you're selling that shoe at £400 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, There you go um, Tim, just, uh, describe your own personal style because you have a quite dis- oh, no. distinctive style <laughs> don't you? We're, we're loving the glasses
2: Thank you Yes, I always wear these glasses. Yes. Um, I wish I didn't. I wish there was an operation. I'm sure there is an operation, but I'm a bit scared about the thing. Me too.
0: But... It's the smell of burning retina that yes. gets me every time.
2: Yeah, I think I'd just pass out and then <laughs> the guy would miss a bit. Then go... you'd have no
1: eyes. <laughs> and then just... you no. terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Come out with a dog and a... Yeah. yeah. It would be... No okay, so, st- so stick to the glasses. glasses. Yeah. I've worn the, this style of a gla- great big chunky black. Yeah, they're kind
0: black. of 50s, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Kind of, um, I'd like to think kind of Peter Sellers meets uh, Michael Caine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can see that.
2: Or probably more like Eric Morecambe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, personal style, well, that's difficult, really. I don't really think of it. I mean, I'm very much, what you were saying earlier, very much a kind of uni- men in a uniform thing. Yes. Always, uh, like, I mean, I would think probably four days out, out of the week I'll be wearing a navy shirt with a white shirt underneath it. Yes. And probably a pair of jeans or navy trousers. And your own shoes. Our own my own shoes, yeah. Obviously. I think you've got like yeah.
1: a fifties slightly yeah. 50s yeah. throwback. Yeah. Fifties I would say throwback
2: I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that slightly
1: kind of music inspired I'd say, you know, just yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm
2: big music fan. Yeah. Um love soul music, blues in particular. I love the way those guys used to dress. I mean, um, the old blues guys who used to wear a beautiful, beautifully cut suit and a shirt and tie yeah, you know, yeah. to, in, in, a, in a club at two o'clock in the morning with smoke everywhere, and they're beautifully dressed and mm. a great pair of shoes. I love all that stuff. We've still so. got
1: to go to that Northern Soul night and clap. clap. Yes. We'll yeah. do that. Love to do that.
2: Yeah, get the <laughs> talc on the floor. Definitely. And off we go.
1: <laughs> but <Box> of <laughs>
0: records.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you always wear your own shoes?
2: Um, yes, except um, in advertising, the big kind of job I did for four or five years before I yeah. left was running Adidas. Oh, and I became so obsessed with Adidas. Big mm-hmm. soft spot for Adidas. I love Adidas. Yeah, And in particular, I, I bought a lot, of, I used to buy a lot of um adidas gazelles oh. and in all different colors and became a bit kind of yeah i could see you in those yeah. <laughs> yeah. 50s throwback there absolutely you go. yeah, yeah. Um, actually that's 70s but yes so but, yeah but I, wear, I wear those occasionally yeah and um but and i also love jack purcell um the converse jack purcells i absolutely love those yeah. so i sometimes wear those but the, the, I always say that the the biggest disappointment in life to me nowadays is that the two things I used to love were going to get my hair cut, and um, but going to buy a pair of shoes, and I can't do either anymore. <laughs> I've got no hair, and I can't go. I just can't physically pay for a pair of shoes to somebody else. Yeah, so those two lovely things it used but to you be a Saturday make your own morning thing.
1: Yeah, the shoes, whatever your fantasy shoe is, you can just go. I'm going to make that. I can do that, yeah. It's better, absolutely. I can
2: can walk into the factory and brief in a pair of shoes just for me to wear. Yeah, that's something that's quite nice, Yeah. yeah. Of course, I never get around to it. No, because you never
1: have time. So uh, <laughs> yeah. so what's next for Grinson? What's Are there any big plans, or is it just more of, you know, keep on going, it's building the, the brand?
2: Yeah, it's more of the same, really. I think one of the big challenges for us is this women's wear thing. Yeah. Because it's suddenly kind of... It, it's been bubbling away, and we've been growing it um, bit by bit. And I've loved doing it. And then suddenly it's really kind of ramped up. And the big challenge for me is how do we because everybody tells me in women's wear it's a lot more fickle it's about the the item that you put to wear not the brand okay. you know men will tend to buy into a brand and say that's my mm. that's where I yes. get my shoes from
1: well the, the nanette proves that doesn't it yeah.
2: It, well, it does exactly. That's the item. But of that's the also season. terrifying. Yes, thought, oh, but it's getting you know. that item
1: right. But it, yeah. that's a challenge for most women's wear brands nowadays. Yeah. It's, I mean, unless you're a sort of very fully coordinated collection, you know, most people will be looking for the thing, you yeah. know, or the five or six things, ideally, for the, yeah. For the season. Yeah. And it's hard.
2: It's hard if it's not your thing. if yeah. you're not providing that thing.
0: Then... Yes. In fact, speaking of which, have you heard of the uh, the Zara white spot dress? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So, so yeah. The, so this is kind of the thing of the season that Zara nice produced. It. Actually, it's a nice enough dress. It's, it's nice. kind of yeah, long sleeved, sort of quite loose viscose dress, thirty nine ninety nine. But like everybody has suddenly bought into it for whatever reason. Mm. It's got its own Instagram account. It's got you know, <laughs> it, it's just it's of kind of it's kind of weird that. That's, that things like that just, just you know, tick all the
2: boxes for but isn't people. That weir- that's, that's weird to me that that's such a distinctive thing, you know. Why would you want to wear it? Because everybody, yes. if, if you walk down the street yeah, and three other people it. are wearing yes. it, it just feels weird. Yeah, but that dress, I think, I so. think
1: sums up, the, and the Nanette the is the same thing. So, And this is the challenge, I think, is finding an item that is ageless, mm. it's... Um, It appeals to everybody on a different level. So if you look at all the... The New York Times have written a thing about that dress. The Guardian written... Everybody's written something. And its appeal is that it suits everybody. Yes. And it's fashion that's not scary, but it's... It's fashionable. yeah. And it's finding those things that... Because nowadays, like we used to, when um, we used to uh, work in retail back in the day, we'd have, like, customer profiles. And they'd be really specific down to, you know, this girl, this woman, give her a name, you know. Yeah. Uh, Lillian wears blah, blah, blah. She shops at and So, She reads this magazine. She does all these things. And every time you designed or created a range, you'd have to think about who was your customer profile. And these days, because we are all aware of everything and see everything all of the time and age and all of those other things, body diversity and all of those things don't matter anymore. We're all looking at the same information. It's kind of opened it up and made it wider and made it more kind of democratic, but it's also made it much harder for for people like you to actually go, right, what is that item that's going to work for all those different people? Mm. Because you don't have that. And I think with your brand as well, not to talk for you, but... That's the appeal of your brand. It does work for everybody because mm. you could just take it and you change it according to what your particular style is. Maybe that's a, the appeal of footwear.
2: Yeah, I think, I think also it's partly our approach, which is our, I don't, uh, coming from advertising, when it was all about targeting and about research and all this kind of stuff, uh, we don't do any of that. Mm. We literally say our job is to know our brand inside out, what yes. we believe mm. our brand is about, and then we design things and um promote things and do events and what have you that we feel is right for our brand, and then those people will hopefully like it and come to us, and there 'll be grants and people, and other people won 't like it and great that 's fine. Mm but I I would find it really difficult to go out and target somebody mm. and say well, yes. I'm going to design a shoe for that person yeah. it's just not so. relevant anymore it, you know I, yeah I do, maybe it is for some some people yeah. in some things but I, I wouldn't know where to start mm. and yeah. so I design it for Grenson and mm. then and, and then those and people find us yeah yeah. yeah
1: it's the power of the brand and yeah. that's what people buy into they want that don't they and your yes. your
0: instincts totally. it's important to follow your instincts mm. if you if that's what feels right to you then you should do it
2: yeah Yes, yeah, exactly. And I guess we, because um, we don't have outside investors and, yes. we're, and we're smallish company mm. still. I
0: think that's um, that's really key. Yeah,
2: we don't have to do yeah, all of that. Yeah. It's not kind of, it's, it is, um, uh, you know, we sit around the table and say, do we like that? I say, yeah, I can't like that. OK, mm. let's do it.
1: Yeah. You know, it yeah. sounds
2: ridiculously naive, but it kind of works. Yeah. And they tell us we put it out there, and if it doesn't mm. sell, I think that's... it's like why didn't it sell? Oh, it didn't sell because it's the colors not quite right. You can see it now, you know, and so we refine our kind of understanding of what works for the brand as you go along every yeah. season. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah,
1: but that is key. It's like really, truly believing in the things that you make because that comes across as authentic as a customer, and the brand comes across yeah. as a believable brand. And you can tell the brands that have lots of investors and lots of people's opinions involved, yeah. and you know, yeah. they just don't work. They're not. No,
2: they try and follow the market. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. On that note, um, probably time to move on. So, Jane, just really quickly before we go, what are you
1: wearing today? Uh, I'm wearing a white dress. You look lovely, by the way. You look very cool. Um, I love what Zara are doing at the moment. I think, do you know what? I know people slag them off, and it's fast fashion and all of that. They are so clever. They just get it right in terms of fashionability, and you know, it's cheap, it's accessible. It works for everybody um, and their dress range is just incredible at the moment. I've bought so much from there. So I'm wearing a dress from Zara, I'm wearing Ganny slides and that's it really.
0: It's very nice. Because it's super hot. So It's super hot, yeah. isn't it? Not as hot as yesterday, but super hot. And Tim, what are you wearing? Loving that
2: shirt. Um, this is a Levi's vintage kind of Hawaiian very shirt nice. type thing. Yeah, Blue, obviously. Blue, yeah, but it's slightly off my normal blue. Oh. It's not navy blue, so oh. it's a bit mad. Can a I I a bit, a bit, bit insane wacky insane today. i Yeah, yeah, I've crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so exciting. Um... And shorts. I apologize for wearing shorts, but it really is ridiculously hot. And, and they're from Universal Works. You're
0: looking very yeah. dapper.
2: And sneaker one from Grenson.
0: Very nice. Very okay. nice. And you, James? I'm wearing my usual uniform. You we're pleased to hear. <laughs> I have got an Isabel Morant uh, kind of smocky type blouse on, my APC jeans, and my Isabel Morant um, chunky sandals. But can I just say, actually, for the last two days, I have been wearing a dress. Oh, that's a Yes, novelty. once it gets over 32 degrees, I wear a a dress <laughs> it's just so it. easy to put, yeah. put
1: a dress on it's I know like but I ju-
0: but you know what I still just did not feel comfortable in it
1: why is that I don't know I don't know I'm just
0: weird anyway
1: <laughs> on that note <laughs> so we're going to be taking a break over the summer we'll be back in September with more guests more chats more opinions thanks very much Tim for Thank coming you very along much thanks having Tim me. that was really fascinating really great yeah. Um, so yeah bye for now bye